Hi everyone, this is Refugees on Air. This is our fifth episode with your host Sarah. And Maya. And today our very special guest, Abdi Fatah Ibrahim. Hi Abdi. Hi guys, thanks for the invite. No, no worries. Abdi, do you want to just start off by telling us where do you come from? Sure. So, as you mentioned, my name is Abdi. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Somalia during the Civil War in 1994. Yeah. I come from a big family, I guess. Um, yep. I have nine siblings. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell my um, my friends I got nine siblings, it's sort of surprising. Yeah. I guess it's a maybe Somalian culture. It's that's the norm to have a big family. Mm. I have six sisters and three brothers. Wow. <laughs> how how does it feel like living in that big of a family? Um, I guess always there's something going on. So yeah. especially on the weekend when my family like basically at home, it's only me and my mom and my brother and everyone yeah. else. They moved out and they got married and they have kids and they're busy with their own life. Mm. So maybe once a week we all come together and the little kids, it, the house just gets very very busy and mm-hmm. loud. And I, th- I think just it's beautiful just yeah. to have um everyone there. Yeah, yeah it's it wonderful. <laughs> uh, how long have you been in Australia for? So I came to Australia in 2006, so I'll probably give you a quick background about yeah, myself. Yeah, of course. In 1994, that's where I was born, and then um, the civil war in, in Somalia was getting bigger. Mm-hmm. So my family decided that Somalia was not a safe place for them to stay, so mm-hmm. they sold everything they had, um, the house and the car. My father was a truck driver, and um, he actually had a multiple trucks. So mm-hmm. they sold everything, they sacrificed whatever they had so we can have a better future for their mm-hmm. children. Yeah. So we migrated to Saudi Arabia in about um, early 2000. Mm-hmm. I think at that time I was about 8 years old, not yeah, even yeah. maybe 6, 7 years old. So um, I stayed in Saudi Arabia for about 3, 4 years and um, unfortunately my family, especially the kids, we weren't able to go to school. I think the system in Saudi Arabia is... Um, you have to be a citizen of the country to for to, it, to yeah. go to a public yeah. school, yeah. yeah. And for a private school, my family didn't afford the, the fund, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly we're done through homeschooling. Uh, my mom played a really big role in that. I learned so much from her. Yeah. In about 2005, we migrated to Syria. Mm-hmm. So my family f- um, heard there was a United Nations office in Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dimashak? Yeah. yeah. Damascus. So, <laughs> Damascus, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we, we moved there and then we lived in an area called Tel. Uh, for about one year and a half. We registered with the United Nations and then they were able to provide us an apartment for us to stay mm-hmm. and they us- they gave us a monthly allowance, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we stayed there for about one year and a half and saying this, um, never went to school before then. Mm. So once I, and I, I came to Australia in 2006. That was the first time go- going to school. So I started grade six in 2007 mm-hmm. with no English background. Wow. So imagine <laughs> coming to a place you don't know the accent, the culture, the people. Mm. Was I guess it was very different, especially for mom and dad. Um, for them, I guess it was more of a shock than me and my younger siblings because we're young and we can just go out and play whatever the kids are yeah. playing and easily settle them. Yep. So I started from grade six, finished um, primary school in two thousand eight. Yep. Started grade seven two thousand eight. They finished high school in 2013. Wow. What difficulties or challenges uh, did you face upon your arrival? I'll say cultural. Yeah. Culture-wise. Um, mm. And the language, definitely. Yeah. My older sister spoke a little bit of English, very b- broken English. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even knew the alphabet at that time. Mm. Also, the culture was a little bit different because um, I remember when I was a young age, I used to just go out and play on the street, do whatever I, c- I could. Mm-hmm. But I realised... Um, in Australia, not many people play outside at, at a young age. Yep. 
besides that, I think the language was a mm-hmm. really, really something I personally found difficult, mm-hmm. especially early high school. The school I went to, everyone spoke perfect English. I had the accent, you can say the funny accent, mm-hmm. which I, I was learning English at the time, and yeah, yeah. it wasn't easy pronouncing certain words in front of people. Yeah. There were a few times where I wasn't comfortable speaking in front of a large audience because of my accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the language might have been a challenge, I guess. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And I think adapting as well to like a new life is really, really difficult. New environment. Especially when you're young and you might not have other family relatives around as well. Like yeah. How did your parents cope with moving you know, such a big family to Saudi Arabia, then to Syria, and then to Australia? It took a um, long time. The first stage was so called, it was um, only me and my half of the family left. My father and my three sisters stayed back in Saudi Arabia okay. so they can actually work and support us when we went to Syria. Right. So six of us went to Syria in 2005. Yep. And then once we registered with the United Nations and got the visa application and then arrived to Australia, and my family, uh, my mother especially, um, applied for a sponsorship visa for my father and the, my other sisters. Yep. So um, it wasn't all at once, but it was sort of, you can say, Two batch, two different stages. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What differences culture-wise or language-wise did you face when you first arrived in Australia and um, how did you kind of cope with the people and their accent and their language and their behaviour? So, like, I remember at a particular time you mentioned something that stood out. In my culture, when someone says, how are you and how are you doing, they actually mean how are you and, how, like, what are you up to? Mm-hmm. I realised in Australia when someone says, hey, how are you, it just means, like, what's up? They don't really... It doesn't have that connection. Um, yeah. For example, someone's yeah. walking past and then you walk past they said, hey, how are you? And you actually stop, say, while you try to respond, the other person already walked away. Mm. So it's like a, hey, how are you became like a, hey. I completely agree with that. Yeah, like the, mo- like the most common answer you'll hear is good. And that's it. Like no one actually goes into detail and, and what to say after that, that. The communication between the people is not very personal most it's of the time. It's not at all, yeah. Exactly. Unless, like, you really want to put effort in, but some people might find that too Yeah, much. that's and one big cultural difference that a lot of people from, you know... Even we faced as well. Yeah, yeah, like Middle Eastern and African countries face a lot. Yeah. Definitely. So what are your favourite parts and worst parts about moving to Australia? And What's something that you miss that you, you can't, can't find, find here anymore? Yeah. So I first I'll mention something, good thing, that stood out or an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess moving to Australia... One thing that was really good was the opportunity we had. We had the opportunity to go to school and study, be in a classroom environment and learn so many different things and have Mm -hmm. a lot of different support from teachers and the community. A lot of different community activities um, happening. I guess moving to Australia, I don't don't know if there's a negative thing to it. Because personally, we were refugee. We came from refugee and the country we previously stayed, we we weren't sitting over. Um, I guess, and home for me is... Initially was Somalia, and unfortunately we had to leave there due to the civil war. It mm-hmm. wasn't safe where we stayed. Then we migrated to Saudi Arabia, and then from there migrated to Syria, mm-hmm. from there to Australia. So mm-hmm. personally, I don't know if there's any sort of negative thing to it. Besides, one thing I miss back home is the it's the culture, the unique culture that my That's mom right, yeah. always tells me about, and mm-hmm. the beautiful story I grew up listening at a young age. Mm-hmm. And I guess it. Definitely Australia gave me a lot of opportunity to be someone, um, contribute to my society to to extent. That's right, yeah. What were your expectations of Australia and did we meet them? (laughs) At that age, 
I know you were young. I was, yeah, like, I was yeah. very young. I remember actually my family, when we first got this visa to come and live in Australia, my family thought Australia was in somewhere in Europe. We had no <laughs> idea where Australia was. And then um, once we came here, and we heard so many different stories from the locals back in Syria before coming here. They used to say um, at a young age, like there's a tab that you can open and milk comes out. And it's <laughs> a lot of so many weird things that it's not really true, I guess. Would you ever go back to Somalia and to Syria? Definitely, um, yeah. I'll, I'll go back to Somalia, the place I was born. And I went there in 2014, okay. just for two days. The reason why I went there is um, to visit family members. Yeah. It was really, really beautiful. Um, one thing I realized that people were there, they didn't have much. They lived below the poverty line, mm-hmm. but they were very, very happy. Not many of them had a phones. And they were connected. They didn't need social media to get in touch. And you can see the kids playing on the street. They were smiling. They were running down. It was beautiful. If I had the chance, and definitely I would go back and contribute to the Somalian society. Yep. But I guess um, for now, if you ask me where is home, that might be a tough question to answer. Mm. I see Australia and Somalia are definitely home to me. Because yep. I grew up in Australia, finished my education here, and learned so, many, so much thing in Australia. Mm-hmm. So... Home is a d- tough question. That's right. Yeah, a lot of people are conflicted, and which country is truly my home? Yeah, me and so actually, we all get that question asked a lot. Yeah, like what? Like, what's your home? But you can't really. Just you were born countries. there. You you adapted to the culture there, and now you're here to get best of the opportunities. That's right. Uh, speaking of education, what inspired you to study Bachelor of Accounting at La Trobe? So it all goes back to my year eleven and year twelve accounting teacher. So I, I took accounting at year eleven. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just numbers. But I realised that once I actually took the subject, it was more than just a number. Mm-hmm. I felt, and I really liked the subject growing up, especially in high school, um, I didn't like science or mm-hmm. any other subjects. So I find maths and accounting a little bit more revealing. Yeah. Like, I liked accounting in year 12. And I decided to do it in, in university. But who inspired me, I say, my teacher in year 11 and year 12, Mr. Robin. I don't know if he's listening to it. <laughs> yeah, he really had a big impact to me. I remember there was a particular moment um, during year 12, he actually, even though I wasn't the smartest kid in the class, he mentioned in front of everyone there how hard I work and how much I like accounting. And then that was, was just a beautiful, like he noticed the effort yeah. I put into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess that was definitely something I remember. So doing accounting at Latrobe was beautiful. I met so many people on campus at Latrobe University and also when I had the opportunity to study abroad in New York yeah, for exchange yeah, how was that? program. New York was snowing. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> snowing. I was born in Somalia, a place that I think 35 degrees, that's the average. Mm. And then grew up, came to grew up in the Middle East at a hot place as well. Mm. And then Australia, not too cold, but going to New York, it was especially in this um, winter. Well, that was experience. It was really, really cold. Yeah. <laughs> and how long did you stay there for? So I stayed in New York for six months, part of a um, so ex- exchange program. Yeah. Instead of you doing a semester in Australia at your own local university, you just have to apply for a um, different university. And yeah, I, I, I chose New York because um, one of the main reasons why I chose was um, New York. Everyone knows where New York City is, yeah. and I I really wanted to experience the New York lifestyle. Yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, I met so many people. Even till this day, we stay in touch. One of my friends that I met in in New York, he, he recently came to Melbourne and he actually stayed with me, wow. and he stayed at my house. It, uh, yeah, I guess yeah. Studying abroad was definitely one of the best experiences I made. 
So for any refugees or uh, newly arrived refugees in Australia who are listening, what advice would you give them upon you know first settling here? That was a really tough question. I remember <laughs> looking at it before. I need advice for myself. I need advice for <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah. But um, a general advice would be seek help. Mm-hmm. Ask a lot of questions and put yourself out there. That's right, yep. I can remember people say, don't ask a stupid question, but to be honest, there's no such thing as a stupid question, especially mm-hmm. at a workforce. Mm-hmm. Put yourself out so you get those opportunities. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I guess sometimes you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation to mm-hmm. get comfortable, to yep. make the most out of what you have. Yep. And always the most important is give yourself time, mm-hmm. time to understand who you are. Mm-hmm. Time to understand your values, what it stands for. Once you know who you are, then you can actually, you, then you, you sort of will have an idea what do you want. So mm-hmm. I guess if you sort of lost what you, uh, who you are, you wouldn't be able, you don't know what you want. When you lose sight of who you are, um, especially upon arriving in a new country, you have to like gain that perspective again to know what you want to do and where you want to put yourself, where to work and all that thing. During my university times, um. I was a little bit involved with the community, especially my local community where I used to live at the Hume City District. Yep. So one thing I've done was um, I was part of the Hume City Council where they provided a English classes for people from asylum seekers background. So mm-hmm. I volunteered for that one for about five to six months. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I did it was um, like I really wanted to contribute because I know the the feeling you go through when you come to a country and you don't speak the language. So the class was basically about um, to help adults learn the basic English conversation f- yep. so for them to go outside and buy the very basic um, things they need, maybe go to the doctor and tell the doctor what they're going through. Mm-hmm. So um, from that experience, I really learned a lot about myself, I guess, yep. appreciating the little things and understanding the difference in people that coming from different backgrounds, you have different expectations and... It, w- it was beautiful being part of that program. I also uh, I contribute a little bit, little bit to the Somalian um, community. I guess coming from Somalian background and being the first generation, um, one of the main issues we have, I guess, not many people within the professional field. Mm-hmm. So mentorship is one thing we really lack, I guess. Mm-hmm. And right now, um, we're slowly having people who work in the professional field, and they contributing to the high schools or even the university students by mentoring them and mm-hmm. asking them questions. In yeah. my case, when I was in year 11 and year 12, it was a little bit difficult to have that sort of conversation with my family because I was the first person to go to university in my family and mm. it wasn't easy for me to have that sort of conversation with my parent, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So for anybody who's listening, what advice do you have for them regarding supporting refugees and welcoming them when they arrive to Australia? I guess it wasn't a choice for us mm-hmm. leaving our own country. I mean, if you look at it, my family lived really, really comfortable lifestyle in Somalia. They were really set off. They had houses and they had multiple cars. And we were doing really well for ourselves, especially for my family. They were doing very good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy for them to sell everything and sacrifice everything they had. Yep. So it's not a choice. I guess people from refugee background, they didn't leave everything because they want to go to somewhere better. That's they right. left their home because they had to. They, had to. they were in danger, basically. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Acknowledge that um, there are refugees mm. exist in Australia, and the support that I think average person can give is just being true, welcoming them. Yeah, respect other people. I guess yeah. that's the most important one. Um, understand people come from different background. We all have differences, and everyone has a unique story to tell. Mm-hmm. That's right. I guess yeah, just respect, listen. Yeah, that's the main thing.
for the news recently, there's been like a wave of the media portrayal of African gang violences. What are your thoughts on that? I guess this one just comes down to labelling again. People just, again, paint everyone with the same brush, yeah. not understanding that Africa itself, there's 54 countries, and then mm-hmm. just wa- you're walking down the street, there are that, also called that little res- racism happening. Do you think it's important that people like you challenge against stereotypes that are portrayed by the media? Definitely. Um, I guess stereotype does happen in, today, in today's society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's people the way they see themselves, they see other people, or maybe the way they were brought up. Yeah. Yeah. Have I faced stereotypes? I, I guess you do say that. Um, I remember a few times when I went to a particular shop um, mm-hmm. at a midnight and then you just see a security mm-hmm. walking the same side with you mm. how yeah. coincidence that yeah so Abdi what are your plans for the future one thing I want to do is create some sort of mentorship program for the Somali community because mm-hmm. yeah. I remember when I was in year 11 year 12 um, it was hard for me to speak to my career what I want to be yeah. to my family because there are a lot of people Somalis who are first generation mm-hmm. they're not really sure what they want to do a particular mm-hmm. program I want to develop or work with is um, creating a mentorship program for people from disadvantaged background or even African background who are not sure what they want to do mm-hmm. and they can't really speak to their um, parents or if someone's the first generation mm-hmm. yeah, just give that support to um, maybe providing work experience yeah yeah just start like with little things like that and see yeah, how that yeah. grows exactly maybe just giving a general advice to someone in year 11 or year 12 or even first year university mm-hmm. about the importance of doing um, internship mm-hmm. I wish someone told me when I was in year first year or second university, the importance yep. of internship. Mm-hmm. That would have really made a big difference, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you get in contact with Road to Refuge and how have they helped you do what you want to do? Yep. Awesome. So um, I met um, one of the directors named Sam. Sam so yep. um, I know Sam through ever since last year. So basically um, I ran... I saw the ad um, through social media and I, I attended one of their events and I really liked the organisation and what they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not currently involved with the road to, with the refuge but I'm just um, sort of there as a support or like I want to yep. join, I want to help out yep. mm-hmm. and hopefully I'm planning on joining the, soci- the um, club. Yeah, okay. and it's, it's wonderful what they do. It's, really. it's really great, yeah, and um, I think they were saying that everyone has a unique story to tell and then mm-hmm. that little um, designing they were doing was amazing. Yeah, the art exhibition. Correct, that's the one I went to. Were you there? No, I wasn't, but I was on the phone to Sam and that's what he told me about and oh, what okay. they do. It's fantastic, really. I'm it so glad you know. like really want to get involved soon. With them, so, yeah. yeah, and uh, I think they'll share this on their site and things like that. Yeah, So that's totally. wonderful. And they got us to get in t- contact with you, so... Definitely, yeah, so definitely. <laughs> I think the Road to Refuge, they're actually there to support everyone, with, like whatever program everyone, they're doing. And yeah, this is, really. by the way, it's an amazing program, what you guys are doing. And Thank you. The idea is just, just beautiful and the time you guys putting into it, we appreciate it. Thank you very Thank much. You. <laughs> it's it's for people like you and it's for everybody that wants to listen to a good heartwarming story <laughs> because it's worth listening to. <laughs> Thank you so much, Abdi, for coming in today to talk to us about your story. We really appreciate having you on our show. We've loved listening to your story and your aspirations and your journey here, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well. We wish you all the best for the future, you know, with all the plans that you've got. And we hope to see your mentorship program come to life soon because we'll be there and we'll support it. Yeah. Thank you, guys. It was really an honour being in your show, and I can't wait to go home and listen to this. (laughs)